Amen, and you're all dismissed. That was it. Short night. Tonight we are going to be talking about Zacchaeus. As the parents take their kids back to, to be a part of our children's time, I want to encourage you to open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 19. That's where we're going to be today. Luke chapter 19. I saw the fire department here a few moments ago. I hope that doesn't mean that like the air conditioner is dying or something. Because if it is, I think I'm going to die myself. <laughs> well, you guys, I'm already a little bit toasty up in here. Um, let me pray for us and we're going we're gonna to begin. God, we come to you tonight, Father, believing full and well that there is nothing new under the sun. God, I have no gimmicks, I have no games, I have no special videos that can in any way give people salvation. It is only by your Son, Jesus Christ, that we're saved. And we believe that full well today, God. And so tonight as we talk about salvation, I pray that you would open up the hearts first of those who say that they're Christ followers and have decided to go on this journey of faith with you. God, I pray that you would open up our eyes to how salvation comes through Christ alone. And God, for those that are in the room tonight who are seeking you, who desire to know you as Savior and as Lord of their life, God, I pray now, Father, with a full heart and a fresh mind, that you would come and that you would open up eyes and hearts and ears so that people that don't know you could know you for the first time. And that they could see Jesus for who He is and what He's done. And that they would believe in Him and they would have new faith because you've given it to them. God, we love you. I pray that you would open up our eyes and help us to see you for who you are and to see ourselves for who we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's do this. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not see because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and they began to mutter, He is gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Lord, look, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Jesus is on His way to Jerusalem and he's heading from the region of Perea. And so Perea is the middle, is, Perea is here and Judea is here, okay? Jericho is right in the middle. And so it is a city of great commerce. 
And so as we begin, I imagine in Jericho that there is this hustle and bustle as people are moving through the city and as they are told for the goods that they're bringing. There's all kinds of chaos. But as Jesus enters in with this crowd of people that is following him, I I imagine in my mind, and I'm just going to go a little bit further here, that people in the city just, they stop. And they look at this crowd that's coming in and they're like, what? What's going on? Who, who is this man that's coming? And possibly there's a person in the crowd that says, wait a second, is that Jesus of Nazareth? And another person says, no, that couldn't be Jesus of Nazareth. I mean, he's like two feet taller and he's got biceps that are at least 32 inches. There's no way that that's Jesus. And then another person says, Jesus of Nazareth. And all of a sudden, there's another crowd from Jericho that swarms to the crowd that is already following with Jesus. And so you can imagine, it's just complete chaos. In that moment, like the disciples move from followers to being Jesus' bodyguard, right? It's like the paparazzi is swarming. And as Jesus continues to push through the city of Jericho, as he moves along, he comes to this place that Scripture calls the spot. In the ESV, it's the place. And when he gets to this spot, there is a sycamore tree that is next to him. And when he gets by the sycamore tree, he looks up into a tree and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. Because I must go to your house today. And so there's this man, and he's very, very finely dressed, and he's short. And he begins to climb down the tree. And as he reaches the ground, and he accepts the invitation of Jesus, all the cloud, all the crowd begins to mutter. It says everyone muttered. They muttered because Zacchaeus is a tax collector. Not only is he a tax collector, which is a person that is hated amongst the people because he made his profit, he made his living extorting people from the money that they have more than what he should have, but he's the chief tax collector. He's the arch tax collector. And so he sits at the top of a pyramid taking money from all the other tax collectors, pushing them to the tax the people more and more and more so his wealth can continue to grow. People in the city of Jericho hate this man. They look at his clothes and they think, that's the money that I could have used to feed my family. They look at his house and they say, that's the money that I could have used to pay off my debt. Thank you, Zacchaeus. They hate this man. He's one of the greatest outcasts in all the city. But Jesus says, I want to go to your house today. Not only that I want, but I must. So he goes to his house. And after staying with Zacchaeus, the text says, not just eating a meal, but living life with him, Zacchaeus takes half of everything that he has and he gives it to the poor. And then he takes four times of everything that he's cheated and he says that I will repay four times what I've taken. And Jesus stands up and he says, Zacchaeus, salvation has come to your house today because this man too is a son of Abraham. This passage is all about salvation. Soteria is the word in the Greek. 
The word salvation in Matthew and Mark is mentioned zero times. In the book of John, the word salvation is used once. In the book of Luke, in his letter to Theopolis, he mentions the word salvation, soteria, six times. Because he cares deeply that Theopolis will understand that Jesus has not only come for the Jews, Theopolis, but he's come for the messed up tax collector too. The one that everybody hates. And so he talks deeply about salvation. Tonight as we get into this text, we're going to be talking about salvation, as I said, as it applies to believers and as we seek to follow Christ and His salvation, but also to those of you who are here tonight who don't know Christ and you've come because you're desiring to have a relationship with Him, welcome. You're in a good place. And I'm going to be speaking to you tonight too about what it means to seek Christ. So as we begin, first of all, followers of Christ. And on your um, bulletins, you'll have a place where you can take notes. And so I encourage you to do that with us. The first thing that I want you to see is that as you follow Christ, you must know your role in Jericho. You must know your role in Jericho. As I said a moment ago, Jesus is traveling from Perea to Judea. And I've got a map for you because I want you to... Um, that's the wrong slide, Andrew. It's actually the, the first one. Uh, no, not that one either. Yeah, that one's good right now. Yes. On this map, I want you to understand something here. I've kind of circled Perea there. And then this yellow circle, that's actually um, Jerusalem. And Jesus is passing through Jericho. He's coming from, if you remember the encounter that he had with the rich young ruler, that was in Perea. And so he wants to get from Perea to Judea, specifically Jerusalem, in the white circle, that is Jericho. And so as he travels, he goes a little bit out of his way to get to Jericho. Could be a mile, we're not exactly sure, it could be two miles, it could be ten miles But I think that there's a great argument to say that Jesus goes out of his way to get to Jericho. And I think that the reason that he does it is because he has some important things to take care of in Jericho. So much so that he's willing to go out of his way to get there. So what is it that he has to do in Jericho? If you remember last week, on the road to Jericho, Jesus means a blind man named... What's his name? Bartimaeus. Yes, And he wants to bring salvation to Bartimaeus. He does a miracle. He heals him so that he can see. And that's on the road to Jericho. And now Jesus gets into Jericho and he meets a man named Zacchaeus. And he says, salvation has come to your house, Zacchaeus, because I, Jesus, have come to seek and to save. Jesus knows exactly what his purpose is. And it's to bring salvation to people In Jericho, for you and I here right now, followers of Jesus tonight, God has given us a place that we live. He's given a place place that we work. Wherever we go along our journey, it is our Jericho. You getting me? Because Jesus is in Jericho to take care of things because He is a sovereign God. And because He's sovereign, I believe that not only is He sovereign in the things that He does, but He's sovereign in the things that He does for us. Do you you believe me here? 
And so as we move in and about our life, every single place that we journey to throughout our day, at our house, at our job, at the coffee shop that we stop at, those are the places that the Lord is leading us. And in every single one of those places, God has given us an opportunity in the same way that Jesus has an opportunity to obey the Father by glorifying Him and by spreading our faith with people. So today, do you understand that Jesus has called you, follower of Him, to know your role in Jericho and to know the reasons that God has called you to the place that He's called you today? Every single place that we go, our mission is the same and that of Christ Jesus and that He has called us to be a part of seeking and saving people. Not that we have the ability to save, please don't hear me now, but that we join Him in His work as we preach the Gospel to all the world. But first, we must know our role in Jericho and that every place that we go, there's purpose. I... Uh, Heather and I have recently decided that we were going to sell our house, that we were going to put our house up for sale. And at the moment that I put my house up for sale, I don't know if if any of you have ever done this before, but it's like I somewhat checked out in my relationship with my neighbors because I began to look forward to the community that we were trying to move to. And so I had stopped being missional with the neighbors that lived around me. Don't we do this sometimes as we look forward to the place that we're going instead of fully living in the place that we're in? God has called you, follower of Jesus, to live in the place and in the moment that you're in. Do you realize here that Jesus has 10 days left around about before He is going to be crucified? He's got 10 days left before He is going to fulfill His mission of bringing salvation to the world to death on the cross. Yet with 10 days left to go, he's got time to stop in Jericho and to stay with a tax collector. Do we know our roles? Jesus knew his role. It was to seek and to save. The next thing I want you to understand is that Christ has called us to make friends with tax collectors. In the time of Jesus, if you were a tax collector then people would look at you and they would compare you to robbers, to pimps, to prostitutes, to murderers. Tax collectors in the time of Jesus were to be considered the outcast, the wretched. But yet, as Jesus arrives in Jericho, what does He do? He's surrounded by a crowd of people that obviously enjoy Him and they want to be in His company. But He continues to move forward. And he gets to this tree and he looks up and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. He calls Zacchaeus by name. And then he says, I'm going to go and I'm going to stay at your house today. Do you see this? Do you see how Jesus befriends the hurting and the lost people in our world? I wonder today, follower of Christ that's sitting here right now learning about salvation What does your life look like today in the way that you're pursuing the lost and the hurting of the world in the same way that Jesus is pursuing the lost and the hurting? To me, as I think about this, 
as you're caught in the crowd. And as we look around, and as we see Jesus, and as we see Him fulfilling His mission to bring salvation to the world, do we care? As I thought about this, and as I thought about salvation, and as I thought about Jesus speaking to the hurting and the lost, there was something that came up in my mind as I wrestled through this. And I, what I've done is I've, I've, I've made a slide, and I want to take you through the pattern that I wrestled through as I thought about the way that I am loving the lost and the way that I'm loving the hurting. Andrew, if you could put up that slide. Check this out. Um, it is the one that says, knowing your, your Jericho, knowing your role in Jericho. Your Jericho right there. So I begin to think about my neighbors. And as I thought about my neighbors and the way that I am loving the world, I begin to ask myself this question. Do I really know my neighbors and who my neighbors are? And I want you to ask yourself that same question. I want you to think about the people that live to the left of you and the people that live to the right of you. And I want, to ask, I want you to ask yourself, do you know their first and their last name? In the same way that Jesus knows the name of Zacchaeus. Now granted, he's God, okay? He has a little bit of an advantage on us, right? But he knows the name of Zacchaeus. Out of all the interactions that you've been having with your neighbors, do you know their name? Think about that. If you, live, if you don't live in a subdivision, maybe the person that lives across from you in your apartment. If you, you know, live out in the country, if you live at the El Shaddai Ranch, Maybe it's the people that you pass every day as you go to the store, as you go to the coffee shop. Do you know the names of people that are lost and are hurting? And then as you picture their names, consider this year. Consider, have you spent time with those people? If you were to have to add up the minutes and then to think about the hours, have you spent any time in your life loving this year lost and hurting people in the same way that Jesus seeks to go and to spend time with Zacchaeus. I'm afraid that we get so caught up sometimes in our crowd. We get so caught up in the Christian crowd and what I'll say sometimes as the Christian ghetto that we forget to look up in the tree and to see people that are hurting and to see people that need salvation in the same way that Jesus sees Zacchaeus. Are you making friends with the tax collectors of this world. And the next thing, followers of Jesus, is that God has called us to bring salvation with you. As Jesus here goes to Zacchaeus' house and he goes and he stays with him, after Zacchaeus responds to Jesus and he says, I want to give half of everything I have, and for all the people that I've cheated, I want to pay them back four times what I've taken from them, Jesus looks at him and he, and he says, salvation has come to this house today. Now I want you to know that I believe that Jesus is saying in the literal sense that salvation has come to you, Zacchaeus, because you are no longer going to perish. You won't perish, but you're going to have everlasting life. But I also think that Jesus is saying to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, salvation has come to your house today because I, Jesus, am salvation. Do you believe that? Jesus is salvation. And so not only is God calling us as followers of Christ to spend time with the lost, but He's calling us to bring salvation, to bring Jesus with us. 
As a church, I believe that we can spend a ton of time loving on the world. We can spend a ton of time. We could come back a year from now and I could ask you that same question. So how many hours, how many minutes have you spent loving on your hurting neighbors that live next to you? And you could look at me and you could say, Jay-Z, I've spent like 20 hours. I've spent 30 hours. And it's not being legalistic, but you could say, I've spent so much time loving my hurting neighbors. But the next question that you should struggle with is that we can spend our lives being good to people. And we can spend our our lives loving people. But if we never bring salvation into the relationship, and when I say salvation, I mean Jesus. If we never bring Jesus into our relationship with people, then how will they know salvation? They can't. We live in a culture that has become very, very good at being politically correct and being very good at not talking about things like absolute truth because we don't want to offend anyone. So, so many times the name Jesus is lost and it's left out of conversations. But as we love people, even in our own lives, is it possible for us to be spending time and to never talk about what Christ is doing in our own lives, as we interact, are we bringing Jesus into the relationships that He's giving us? You see, to me, as I consider right now, love and truth, you've come into a place, you've come into a church, Matthias Lot, that believes in love and truth in that order. That's two of our values. And we do believe that we should love people first by building a relationship with them. But if truth is never brought into the relationship with love, then it's not love at all. Love is always followed by truth. We can be like so many churches and we can take down our crosses. We can take the tracks and we can get rid of them. We can try to be so non-offensive to people that we forget to talk about Jesus. But without Jesus, there is no salvation. So we have to bring Jesus into the relationship that we have with people because Jesus is salvation and He is the only way that people will ever know Him and will come to Him. We must bring salvation. So now moving from there to those of you that are here tonight that are seekers of Christ. You desire to know Christ today and to be a part of a community of people that is seeking to have a relationship with Christ. A few things that I want you to see. First, if you want to know Christ, you need to climb up a tree. Now, like if I left that right there, I said, if you want to know Christ, climb up a tree. Probably wouldn't make a whole lot of sense, would it? The other day I was um, taking my children to the park and there's, we have this little park by us called Progress Park. And so I'm going there with my kids and we're going to play on the toys. And, and as I walk up with Benjamin and Olivia and Julia and I'm passing underneath this huge tree, I look up in the tree and like I see these teenagers that are hanging out there and they're talking. And as, as I look up, there's three of them. I'm like, yeah, I mean... No, it's different, but, but really no big deal because they're teenagers, right? And, and kids get up in trees and they hang out. But then as I went on and as my kids were playing and I was sitting there on that park bench, I began to think about the kids that I saw in that tree. And then this story hit me about Zacchaeus and the significance of him being in this tree. 
If I would have walked on that same sidewalk and I would have looked up in that tree and I would have seen a grown man just sitting there, (laughs) hanging out, like this picture, like that would have been one of the most awkward experiences I think that I may have ever had. Because grown men like David Griffith don't just sit up in trees, right? Like they just don't do that. Right now, as we think about this picture of Zacchaeus and him being up in a tree, can we all wrap our minds around this beautiful reality that Zacchaeus is in a tree because he's desperate? You see, in the culture of Jesus today, as Zacchaeus would have lived, if a grown adult man was to run, it would be considered a disgrace Grown men didn't run. So if you can imagine now a man like Zacchaeus climbing up into a tree, do you know the ridicule that he could have experienced for being up in that tree? Do you know as people are looking up at him, they're thinking, what a fool! What are you doing, Zacchaeus? Are you a child? Get down from that tree. But Zacchaeus puts himself in a tree because he is seeking a Savior. He wants to know Jesus. And so he runs ahead of the crowd and he climbs up into a tree and he follows Him. At that moment, do you know that Zacchaeus does not care about what anybody else thinks? Zacchaeus is completely desperate. He wants to know Jesus. You know, as I think about Zacchaeus today and I think about this story, you know what it reminds me of? I think about a woman that we met in Luke chapter 7 who was also desperate for Jesus. The text called her a sinful woman. The only thing that we could assume about her is that possibly she was a prostitute. And as she goes and as she is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to Him talk, she begins to weep on His feet. And as she begins to weep and as the tears fall down, she takes her hair and she begins to wipe His feet with her hair. For a woman to drop her hair in a public setting was one of the most scandalous things that she possibly could have done. But she begins to wash his feet because she's desperate. She doesn't care at that moment what other people think. When you want to meet Jesus, the first thing that must take place in your life is that you have to be desperate for Him. You've got to be at the end of your rope and realize that He is everything that you need And He's everything that you want. It's like a man that we met in the story of the prodigal son who's gone away from his father and he's taken all the money that he has, his father has, to go and to squander it. And so he spends all the money up until the point where he is in a pigsty and he's completely filthy, covered from head to toe in nastiness, and he's sitting there longing to eat the pig's food. He wants to eat their pods because he needs to fill his stomach. And as he's there in the pigsty, he wakes up and he realizes that even if he went and was one of his father's servants, that he would still be living a better life than this. And so he turns around, filthy and nasty, and he walks back to his father because he's desperate. He's desperate. It's like a man that we met last week named Bartimaeus, who is sitting on the side of the road so desperate for Jesus that he begins to scream at the top of his lungs, not caring what other people think. 
Every single time that we see salvation happening here in these last few chapters that we've looked at and through the book of Luke, isn't it always happening to people that are depraved? Isn't it always happening to people that are desperate for Jesus? And so tonight, if you're here and you would say that you're seeking Jesus, are you desperate for Him? And if you are, you're in good company because you've come into a room tonight of desperate people that are hopefully broken over their sin and realizing that we're all depraved and that we're all in need of a Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you desperate? The next thing is that after Zacchaeus climbs up in the tree, he accepts the invitation of the Savior. Jesus here, as He walks to that tree, He looks up and He says, Zacchaeus, come down because I am going to your house to stay. Now in that moment, I'm sure Zacchaeus is is there, maybe hearing his name said lovingly for one of the first times. He looks down and he says, he he sees Jesus, and he's probably wondering, like, is this guy serious? Like, this is the guy that the paparazzi's swarming. Like, I was jumping up and down trying to see him. I had to climb up in a tree. He's just come to this tree, and he's calling me by name. And now he says that he wants to go, and he wants to stay at my house. And so Zacchaeus has a decision to make. He can either stay up in the tree, or he can come down. So what does he do? Does he look down at Jesus, and does he say, Hey, Jesus... Dude, thanks for the invitation. That's awesome, man. But this view up here is really good. And I'm really enjoying my newspaper and my coffee, right, Dave? So I'm just going to stay up here a little bit and I'm going to hang out. Or does he look down at Jesus and does he say, you know what, Jesus, if I were to climb down right now, there's a whole bunch of people that are watching, so I don't want anybody to see me. I'm just going to go ahead and I'm just going to stay up here in this tree. No. Does he look down at Jesus and does he say, I need to go get some of my affairs in order, Jesus, before I'll let you come over to my house. I need to go and I need to pay back some people. I need to go back, I need to go and I need to give half of what I have to the poor. Does he do that? No. So many of us, as we're seeking Christ, are so concerned and caught up in what other people are going to think when we climb down that tree. We're so consumed with the idea that somehow we need to go and we need to get our life in order before Jesus will want to come and live in our nasty life. Jesus, get this, He's looking up at the most despised man in the city and He's saying, I want to come be with you right now. I don't care about your life. I don't, I don't care about the sin that's in your life. I don't care what other people say about you. I want to be with you now. Let's not wait another minute. And Zacchaeus receives the invitation from Christ. And he says, yes, I want you to come to my house to stay. Right now, if you don't know Christ, you want to have a relationship with Him, can you understand that the invitation that He is giving you must only first be received? You don't need to go and clean up your life. You don't need to go and get all of your affairs in order. You don't need to worry about what other people are thinking. You need to think about receiving the invitation that Christ is giving you. 
What does it mean when you believe in Christ? I want you guys to look up here to Romans chapter 4, verse 24, and to see this passage. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on Him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, it will be imputed to you if you believe in Jesus right now, for those of you that are lost, if you believe in Jesus and if you receive the invitation that He is extending to you to be a part of your life, then the righteousness of God will be given to you. And what that means is that when Christ died on that tree for those that would know Him, it meant that when salvation is received and when He gives it because only He can give it, He imputes in you, He gives you His righteousness. So that when God looks at you, He no longer sees depraved, wretched taxpayer prostitute, pimp, he looks at you and he sees the righteousness of Christ. And so when you believe on him, Christ is imputing his righteousness to you. But you have to believe. You have to receive the invitation that he's giving you. You must believe in your heart that God indeed did raise Christ Jesus from the dead and that he really did it. He really came and He defeated sin and death on that cross for lost and depraved people that would know Him through His covenant love. You need to accept the invitation. And then the last thing is this. One of the most difficult things that I believe for any of us to do as we're seeking to know Christ is we must release our grip. After Jesus comes and he stays at Zacchaeus' house, a beautiful thing happens. We don't know through all the story exactly here what's going on, but, but what we do understand is that Zacchaeus has received faith in Christ because he's received salvation. And then he stands up and he says, I want to give back half of everything that I have to the poor. And then I'm going to go and I'm going to pay back every single person that I've cheated four times what I've cheated them. Now, in, if, if you were looking at Judaism, for him to do this, 20% would be something that would be very generous. If he was to take all of his possessions and to give 20% of that to the poor. And by the way, he's not just taking his paycheck, right? He's not just taking a salary or his bank account. He's taking all of his possessions, his house, his clothes, everything, and he's saying, I'm going to give half of it to the poor. 20% would be generous. He says, no, I'm going to give half. And then he says, I'm going to go above and and further than what Leviticus, Deuteronomy, what they say about paying back people that you've cheated, and I'm going to give them four times more than what I've cheated them. Zacchaeus is going so much further than what could have been expected from a man that has just met Jesus. But the reason that he's doing it is because he desires in his heart to give joyfully. He wants to say, Jesus, I release my grip. All the things that were most valuable to me, my money, my house, all the wealth that I have, he takes his hand, he turns it over, 
and he says, Jesus, it's yours. Now, I know as we talked about the rich ruler, and Jesus says, I want you to give up everything that you have, and I want you to follow me, he couldn't do it. And many of us look at that story about the rich ruler, and we struggle because we say, well, wait a second, does that mean that Jesus wants everybody to sell everything that they have before they can follow him? Do you realize here that Zacchaeus is only giving up half of what he has and he's paying back other people what he's taken from them four times, but Jesus is not saying here you have to give away everything, Zacchaeus. In fact, he doesn't say anything at all. Zacchaeus is the one that responds. Christ is not calling us to necessarily give away everything that we have as much as he is saying, do you recognize that everything that you have is from me? Do you recognize that your mother and your father, when I say that I want you to hate your mother and your father, it's in comparison to me. When I'm your treasure and when you realize how good I am, it's like when you consider your love for me and then you think about the love that you have for your mother and your father, it's almost like hatred. Is everything that you have mine? When you look at your career... And as you think about all the things that you are doing to make yourself successful, have you opened up your hand to Christ and said, it's yours. Everything that I have is yours. I want you to lead me in every way, Lord Jesus. When you meet Christ in the way that Zacchaeus has met Him, He wants you to release your life from your own possession and to put it in His hands, and to realize that everything that you have, everything is a gift from Him. Have you released the grip that you have on your possessions and on your life? One more thing that I want to share, and I want to share this with with everyone. This is for um, those of you seeking Christ and those of you who know Christ. This whole time that, that I've been Speaking, I've been talking about this word, seeking Christ. And that there's people in the room that are seeking Christ. And, and for those of you that are in here that are theology majors, you, you know that I've made somewhat of a theological faux pas. And uh, if you could put that, that uh, up. And by the way, I was reading a game card to my lot family. And if they're in here, they're going to laugh right now. Um, I was reading this game card. And it was, I don't remember what the game was. And um, as I was reading it, I was, I was like explaining to them what the game card said. And it had the word faux pas on it. And as I read it, I said, fox pass. I mean, seriously. In like a moment like that, I mean, what do you do? Like hooked on phonics work for me. I'm an idiot, you know. I didn't even know what to say. But now I know. Like I, and after that, I actually went and I figured out what, you know, faux pas was. And I went and checked it out in the dictionary and I learned how to say it. So now I'm going to use a big word today as, as I talk to you because I'm smart. Check this out. I've made somewhat of a theological faux pas because I've been talking about those of us here that are seeking Christ. But if you know God's Word, believers, you may be wondering in your heart, well, wait a second, how can you say seeking Christ. How was Zacchaeus seeking Christ? Yeah, yeah, he climbed up in a tree, but was he really seeking Christ? To me, the answer, the way that I would answer that question is I would say yes. I believe that he came to the end of his rope. He was desperate. And he wanted to see this Jesus 
And so he climbs up in a tree in the midst of this desperation because he knows that he has nothing left and he needs a Savior. So he seeks Him. But check out this verse. Romans chapter 3, verses 9 to 12. What shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We have already all made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous. Not even one. There is no one who seeks... There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good. Not even one. So do people seek God or do they not? Like, do seeker-sensitive churches that talk about so much about people seeking Jesus, are they right or are they wrong? Here's what I believe. I believe as Zacchaeus climbed up in that tree, he really was seeking God. But have you seen what Jesus did in the story? Can I point your attention to that for a minute? Jesus went to Jericho miles out of his way. Jesus showed up and he got mobbed by a crowd of people who were swarming around him. Jesus pushed his way through the crowd to get to the spot, the topos. Jesus looked up in a sycamore tree, a low tree with wide lateral branches so that somebody could climb up into it. Funny that it was right there. And when Jesus looks up, He calls the man by name. He says, Zacchaeus, come down. Jesus goes and He stays at His house. When Jesus goes and He stays at His house, Jesus says, I give you salvation. Salvation has come to this house. There's no mistakes with Jesus. Zacchaeus was in that tree because Jesus was seeking Zacchaeus first. Jesus wanted to know Zacchaeus. Jesus wanted to have a relationship with him. Jesus helped Zacchaeus get at the very end of his rope. Jesus helped Zacchaeus get up in a tree. Jesus helped him see him. Jesus called his name. And then Jesus said, if you don't believe me, Will you believe this? Jesus looks at Zacchaeus and for those that are looking on and He says, I have come to what? Seek and save. Jesus is seeking. Jesus is saving. If you're here tonight and you're desperate, it's because Jesus wants you here. And He wants you to hear every word that's been spoken. He wants you to hear every song that has been sung. Jesus is seeking you. Jesus is wanting a relationship with you. Are you going to stay up in a tree? And are you going to continue to look off into the distance waiting for someone else? Are you going to hear Jesus for the first time? And are you going to receive His invitation and open up your hand and say, everything I have is yours. And you're all I want and you're all that I'll ever need. Jesus brings salvation because Jesus is salvation. And He's mighty to save. Let's pray. Father, tonight as we come, God, and as we have worshipped You and as we've looked into Your Word, God, I pray 
that for those in the room tonight that are seeking to know You and to want to have a relationship with You, God, I pray that You would just continue the work, that You would continue to open their eyes and help them to see You. And God, for those of us in the room that say that we're followers of Christ, could You break our hearts? Father, could You continue to work in our lives and help us to continue the work that You've started of seeking and saving the lost by Your power and for Your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.